Amen. Well, it's really good to be with you all. Uh, as Lydia said, my name is Father Josh Waltz. I'm the vocation director for the Diocese of Bismarck. Um, and I've been a priest for 10 years uh, this year, so uh, it's been a wonderful life. Uh, challenging, but beautiful. And uh, hopefully just uh, tonight, I want a little bit of a disclaimer. <clears throat> uh, the first disclaimer is, uh, I don't think that you don't pray, okay? <laughs> In fact, I'm assuming you do pray. Um, but I'm going to encourage you to a little bit more. I'm also, uh, I, I don't think that you uh, don't live the faith. In fact, that you're here makes the point that, yes, you take your faith very seriously. But I think that the Lord is always asking us for a little bit more. As C.S. Lewis said, he said, God is easy to please, but hard to satisfy. <clears throat> right? He is so pleased with every little thing that you do. But he is not going to be like, oh, okay, you're good now. He's going to constantly be saying, just a little bit further. Just a little bit further. Just as when St. Peter's getting out of the boat, right? He gets out, he walks on water. I don't know if you ever thought about this. <clears throat> I just thought about this this year. I wondered how far did he walk? <clears throat> you know, because I mean, I th- and I try to put myself in those, like I would have stepped out of the boat and been like, the heck with this. <laughs> sunk. But it says, it says that as he began to sink, Jesus reached out and grabbed his hand. That means that Peter got pretty darn far. He was that close. And so the Lord is always saying, come just a little bit closer, a little bit closer. Okay? So again, really happy to be here with you guys. Hopefully uh, we can uh, come to some great insights this evening. The great Russian author uh, Dostoevsky, he said there are two ages of men. From the rise of man to the death of God. And from the death of God to the annihilation of man. We have pushed God out of our society in the name of ease, pleasure, and comfort. Entertainment. The show. I like to call it the show. Or the one more thing syndrome. The world thrives off of the one more thing syndrome. What is that? Well, if I just get this one more thing, then I'm going to be happy. Then I'm done, Lord. You know? And I got to think about this. Why is there an iPhone 8? Because this doesn't work. The one more thing syndrome is a lie. You will never, ever be happy if it's just that one more thing. Father Thomas Dubay, I don't know if you've read him, fantastic author, fantastic priest. He said this, you may notice that even the most thrilling experience, whatever it may be, when you are quiet and alone, you perceive deep down a small voice saying, Is that all there is? Nothing is enough. Not praise, not success, not youth, not love. And then he says this, you are a thirst in the flesh. You are an incarnate thirst. Human beings are always thirsty. (laughs) They are always thirsty. He says you you yearn for endless beauty and joy, endless love and delight, endless security and happiness. And then we settle for the cheap things of the world. He goes on to say this. We cling to these cheap things of the world, to vanity, sensuality, materialism, and all their intertwining ramifications. And this is the fundamental reason so few Catholics have a deep prayer life and do not make any progress or very little in the spiritual life. We are so immersed in the world that it almost makes us be of the world. 
It is all around us, you guys. Christendom is dead. Not Christianity, not the church. Christendom. That is a whole society which is influenced and functions off of the principles of Christianity. That's gone. Completely annihilated. And so many ask, how did it get so wrong? Right? How did the faith get so cheapened? How did sexual promiscuity become the norm? How did contraceptives become more popular than vitamins? How did materialism become the focus of our lives? Pornography, an epidemic. How did that happen? I'll tell you. We let it happen. The church let it happen. And now it is our job. It is our job to make saints again. We live, you guys, in exciting times. I don't know about you. Everybody's like, oh, man, the church is dying and this is terrible. I'm like, this is awesome. (laughs) These are exciting times to be alive. 50 years ago, it was easy to be Catholic. Everything was Catholic. Oh, maybe more than 50. Maybe like 60, 70. <clears throat> now, now is when we're proving that the faith is everything to us. Everything. I once heard this quote. I don't know who said it. Some men die by the sword. And some go down in flames. But most men perish inch by inch in play And stupid games. I don't know if you know Alexander the Great. I just kind of met him uh, a couple years ago. People from the from the you know antiquity they visit me. I don't talk to dead people or anything, but they visit me, and I just become enthralled with them. Alexander the Great had this very very unique way of conquering people. Basically, what he did is he would come in, he would you know annihilate the people in the war, and then. He would say, all right, now I'm in charge. Now I'm paraphrasing Alexander the Great for the record. You're not going to find this in a book. And he would come in and say, I'm king now. I'm in charge. You can keep your customs. You can keep your religious practices. Everything. I'm over you, though, just so you know that. And everybody's like, oh, okay, you know, Alexander, this stinks, but at least he's letting And he's like, oh, but by the way, I would really like you to try Greek food. And they're like, we hate Greek food. And he's like, well, hey. It's free. And they try it, and they're like, hey, Greek food isn't too bad. It's like, see, just chill out. He's like, you know, if you like Greek food, you know what else you'd like? You would like Greek literature. You should read our philosophers. Unbelievable philosophical ideologies that they came up with. And they're like, we hate Greece. We hate Greek philosophers. And he's like, look, I'm giving out free books. Take them home. Peruse them. See what you think. They read through, and they say, Wow. Greek philosophers are amazing. He said, see, he's like, look, if you like that, I'll tell you what you're really going to like is our entertainment. We have comedies and tragedies, and we do all these dramatic plays. Come and watch them. And they're like, we hate Greek entertainment. He's like, look, it is going to be, I'm going to have free food again. And, you know, I'm going to put out some books for door prizes. And I'll pay for the whole thing. And they go and they're laughing at the comedies and they're crying at the tragedies. And one day they wake up, and they're like, crap, we're Greek. Little by little by little. And I believe with all of my heart that this is the tactic of the devil in the modern day. Little by little. 
How many of you know people that have fallen away from the church? Go ahead and raise your hand. A lot. How many of you, now you can keep, raise your hand again. How many of those people, did they, did they reason through every argument of the church? Read it, understand it, live it, and then say, this is garbage. <clears throat> None of them. G.K. Chesterton had a great quote. He said, it's not that Christianity has been tried and found wanting. It's that Christianity has been found difficult and left untried. People slowly drift away. It happens all over the place. It happens in relationships. I, when I'm doing marriage counseling, people come to me and they're like, I don't know what happened. We just drifted apart and now we don't love each other. No, you did it. You consciously chose day in and day out to neglect the relationship. And that happens in our, our human relationships. It happens in our prayer relationships. Did you know of the 22 major civilizations to exist within the history of the world, 19 of them caved from within. Only three were conquered from without. If you want to destroy a society, you destroy the family. Because once you destroy the family, you destroy the kids. And once you destroy the kids, you destroy the society. Because they're the next society. And so the devil is using this this. Go with the world, just slowly, slowly. No, you need this, you need that. You gotta be of the world, with the world. Go with it, go with it. Listen, dead bodies float downstream. Living bodies resist the current. To go along with the world is a death sentence. And I think that the main reason so many of our young people are wasting their lives in the service of the world, of pleasure, of comfort, is because they, they believe one simple lie. It's a common misconception. I'm going to talk to him about it tomorrow. And that is that living for God is somehow boring. <clears throat> that somehow that ideology or me- that kind of mentality has got into our young people. As if the saints were boring. My gosh, just read them. <laughs> there was nothing boring about the saints. You know what's boring? The drug cartels. The tyrants, the communist dictators, they're all the same. All they do is kill. Domination, manipulation, it's the same thing over and over and over. C.S. Lewis, again, he said, I'm going to butcher this quote, but he said so poetically, he said, how gloriously different is God and his saints and how mundane and ordinary are all the tyrants of the world. That there's something so different But we have cheapened the message. We as a church, we've made it almost laughable at times. And we have made it as what we would call boring. I want to give you just a little example of this. Bear with me. I think it's funny. This has been, now I'm not saying everywhere, but in a lot of places. This has become the faith. Okay, now, here's the deal. (laughs) You can't hang your hat on that. How can you hang your soul on that? That's a joke. 
I mean, when you when we're telling the kids, our young people, like, you you've got to you know you've got to have Jesus part of your life. He's everything. He's, and then they see stupid stuff. It becomes a joke. I mean, they sit back and they say, you can't be serious about that. And this is what I think. I, right now, Christian... Whoa. Test. Oh, no. What? A, no, it's on. There we go. Okay. <clears throat> the, the, the fact is, is that Christianity is not effective right... Or not attractive right now. Now, you and I know that it is. We know the beauty of our faith. We know what it can do. But the world doesn't. And for that reason, there's, there's no great fire. There's no great learning. There's no great zeal. People are just interested in fame, honor, prestige. You know, and again, most of the time, I don't know if you guys feel this, but the church is like, we're just against things. <laughs> like, we've, we've just been boiled down to a set of rules. You know, Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against you. I don't know about you, but the last time I checked, gates don't attack, gates defend. We are meant to be attacking. And yet again, I don't know about you, but I think like most of the time if you ask most Catholics, like, what's, what's it like? It's like I'm constantly just trying to defend the faith. I feel attacked. I mean, just to stand for God's, God's image of marriage will make you a bigot. You're branded by the world. But if you look, see, now you guys don't get this. I'm a priest, so I always look out at the congregation. You just look at me. All you see is me, but I get to see all of you. And as I travel, I do a lot of traveling, a lot of talks, a lot of missions, whatever. As I go around the United States, one thing that I see when I look out at congregations is I see people that are bored. They're bored. A friend of mine once said, he said, you know what we should do? We should have secret hidden cameras as you come into church and as you come out of church. And then we'll, sh- we'll play those at the beginning of Mass the following week and be like, look at you. <laughs> Would you want to go to this parish? <laughs> when you came out, you look like that. Right now, our model for life is not convincing. And I think it's because we are not convicted. T.S. Eliot, the great poet, he said once, the good lack all conviction, while the worst are filled with passionate intensity. <clears throat> The good lack all conviction, while the worst are filled with passionate intensity. I don't know. Have you guys seen Gladiator? Yeah. Okay. If you haven't, you're a terrible person and you need to go watch it (laughs) immediately because it's like the greatest movie ever. But there's this scene in Gladiator. And when I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, like that is our world. So Commodus has just killed Marcus Aurelius. And there's two senators and Commodus is going to introduce the the gladiatorial games again. And Marcus Aurelius banned him. And this, he puts up posters all over. He's going to throw a party and there's going to be gladiator games. And one of the senators grabs the poster and he's like, can you believe it? He's so out of touch with Marcus Aurelius' plan, his agenda. He has no idea what he's doing as emperor. And the other one says, no, no, no. He knows exactly what he's doing. He will give them death and they will love him for it. I'm like, Wow. If that is not our culture, what does it give us? It gives us nothing but death. And we love him for it, but we're empty. We're dead. One more video. Check this out. This is amazing. I want to, okay, so here's the deal. I'm gonna, we're going to talk about somebody that I hate in Christian love. However that works. 
I think he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I just can't stand the man. His name is Tom Brady. <laughs> I'm sure nobody likes him out here either. Okay? But he had this interview, and when I saw it, I, you just got to watch this. It's super short. Just watch this. It's amazing. Ouch. Tom Brady, the quarterback of the New England Patriots, is not only one of the NFL's best players, he's one of the NFL's great stories. At the tender age of 30, he has already won three Super Bowls, an accomplishment that ranks him with some of the best quarterbacks ever to play the game, and he's having one of the greatest seasons in pro football history. When we first reported on him back in 2005, he seemed underrated and almost overlooked. He doesn't have the arm of Peyton Manning, he doesn't have tattoos, and he doesn't take steroids, and he's never held out for more money. All he knows how to do is win. <laughs> That's what you always wanted. You're right. You're right. It has. And I didn't think it came with all the other baggage, though. In addition to his success on the field and his sex appeal often, there is also the $60 million 10-year contract to play with the Patriots. And I'm making more money now than I ever thought I could ever make playing football. <laughs> But with all that money, fame, and career accomplishments, we were surprised to hear this from him. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is... Man, I think, God, uh, it's got to be more than this. What's the answer? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. That's Tom freaking Brady. You guys, I don't know if you got that. The best part of that interview is he's like, what is it? And he's like, God, I wish I knew. I'm like, Tom, are you kidding me? You just said it. But I mean, how, how true is that? I mean, that guy has like the dream. That is the American dream. And he is empty inside. He knows he's missing something. And I think that our, our young people are in this, this isolation. I've been amazed lately at how lonely people are. I don't know if you guys experience this. As a priest, I, I, you know, I, I, I have like front row to God's show of grace. <clears throat> and it really is amazing to watch how lonely people are. They look like they have it all together until they come and talk to me. And then they just cry. They're so empty. And I, and, and I think it's because the, the society that we live in, it breeds isolation. It breeds isolation. If you look at social media, video games, pornography, what are they? I mean, think about video games. What is it? It's an escape from loneliness into a digital world where I'm like a superstar, you know, Navy SEAL. What is pornography? It's an escape from real intimacy. As if love was boiled down to just pleasure. Instead of sacrifice. Social media, what is, it's an escape from real relationships. I mean, we were made, you guys, for relationship. And the culture right now is breeding isolation. And that's why so many more of our young people are being diagnosed with mental illness, are, having, are experiencing depression, are experiencing... Like, people are dying out there. To give you an idea just quickly, and then I promise I'm going to move on to the practicalities of this, okay? <clears throat> 
I heard this story, Father Mike Schmitz, I don't know if you know him, he's a great speaker, but he told, I heard this story about, he said there was a guy that lived in the Fujing uh, province of China, and this guy, he was like uber Catholic, okay, like just staunch Catholic, and he was in charge of, of coordinating the underground mass, so he would get everybody to his house, they would have mass, you know, undercover, so because of the cops catch him, you're dead, because religion was outlawed. Well, eventually, after a few months, he gets caught, and he manages to get everybody out of the house, but they arrest him. They take him to the prison, and they torture him with an electric cattle prod. They shock him until he passes out and wait for him to wake up again, and then shock him until he passes out. And all he has to do is tell them where the priest is. After 30 days, they let him go. Because he, they couldn't break him. And he immediately went to America. He was done with China. He got to America. He started working. Got a real simple job. He was a hard worker. And he went to daily mass. He went to Eucharistic adoration. He was just blown away. He's like, how is this possible? It's just freedom of religion is unbelievable. And after about a year, he got a promotion. But due to the promotion, he couldn't make daily mass anymore. And so he gave up daily mass. He's still, he still going and praying, you know, his half hour a day. He's praying at the Eucharistic Adoration Sunday Mass. And all of a sudden, the, the boss said, you know, we'd really like to have you stay a little bit later. And so he gave up his, his time of prayer before the Blessed Sacrament. After three years, he was an atheist. <clears throat> what atheistic communism could not do to this guy... Our culture did without even trying. It is the, one of the most dangerous cultures to ever exist, I think, because it's so hidden. All of it is hidden. So what are we to do? This is what I say. Okay, well, actually, I don't. I steal a lot of stuff, by the way. I'm a total thief. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm going to take this from Pope Benedict. <laughs> Pope Benedict said this. He said, today there is an urgency to show a Christian model of life that offers a livable alternative to the increasingly vacuous entertainments of the leisure society. A society forced to make an increasing recourse to drugs because it's not satiated by the usual pathetic worldly pleasures. Gosh, I love Pope Benedict. <laughs> Man, could he, he could speak. He goes on to say, living on the great values of the Christian tradition is naturally harder than a life rendered dull by the increasingly costly habits of our time. The Christian model of life must be manifested as a life in all its fullness and freedom, a life that does not experience the bonds of love as limitation, but is open to the greatness of life. Again, Pope Benedict is saying, the leisure society, everybody is bored. They're constantly looking for new things. You know, I, just, I was just down in San Diego <clears throat> for a couple days because I was, first I went to D.C. and then down to San Diego and then up to here. But I went to San Diego because I didn't want to go home for two days and then come back down to California. And there's a buddy of mine down in San Diego I hadn't seen since I was ordained. And he was like, he's like, you should really go see the San Diego Zoo, you know. And I was like pumped. I'm like, San Diego Zoo, you know. It's like the greatest, it's the greatest zoo in the world or something like that. So anyway, I went and saw it and it was amazing. But at the end, I was just kind of like, you know. I guess that's the greatest zoo in the world. <laughs> Check that one off my list. <clears throat> no, we're bored. We're totally bored. 
And that's why there's no great adventure in people's lives. I recently read, uh, a Christian is someone who has met another Christian. Right? I'm going to finish it. Who has met Christ. A Christian is someone who's met another Christian who's met Christ. You don't come to Christ alone. What was it about the early church that people just signed up in droves, even though as soon as you got baptized, like, your head fell off? Seriously. It's because people, they wanted the community. And because, I said, as I said, this, this society breeds, like, separation. It scatters. It pulls apart. It isolates. People are longing for a community. You come to Christ because someone has shared the gospel with you. But more importantly, they've modeled it for you. When I was in high school, I was an idiot. Okay? I still kind of am, but I, I love the Lord now, so I'm a converted idiot. <laughs> but when I was in high school, there were these two priests, Father Austin Vetter and Father Tom Richter. And they came and they were teaching religion at our school. And man, like there was just something about them. I've never seen people like this. I'm like, what do they have? They're just, their whole lives are different. I later, I, at first I thought it was espresso because I learned, <laughs> I learned about that for the first time. But then I realized it was Jesus. <laughs> it was the Lord and it was attractive. From the, the, one, the one year, two years that those guys were at the high school, five of our classmates became priests. Five. It's unbelievable what somebody who is really living the faith and is on fire and it affects every part of their life. What it can do to the world. But so often I think people are like, yeah, great story, Father, but they're priests. So? Like what, you're off the hook now? Like it's our job, you know? To be a rock star Catholic is to live your faith with joy. And to to have it affect every aspect of your life. Because you guys, right now, there is so much bogus garbage that is given to the youth that they are sick and tired. What they want is authenticity. They want something authentic to hang their hat on, to hang their soul on. And when they see it, they recognize it. I believe everybody comes down on the millennials. Millennials, oh, they're, you know, they're... They deserve, they think they deserve everything and they don't work and they're lazy and they waste their parents' money and blah. Well, yeah, you know, part of that is the problem that the parents gave money all the time. <clears throat> so the parents that are complaining about their kids, I'm like, why don't you complain about yourself a little bit? But I have found that the millennial generation, if they, first of all, are invited, invited to do something, that's, I don't know why, <laughs> But you have to invite them. And when they grab onto something, man, they are all in. Either terribly wicked or terribly good. Or goodly good. <laughs> terribly didn't sound that good. But they'll see right through a poser. When I was in college, uh, I had this opportunity. I don't know if you guys know the Dave Matthews Band. I can't really, yeah, okay, all right, cool. You know, like back, when I do this with high school kids, they're like, who's Dave Matthews? You know? <laughs> I'm like, man, I feel old, and I'm not that old, you know? <clears throat> but 
we went, we went cliff jumping at this Dave Matthews Band concert, and we were jumping off a 30-foot cliff, and it was a blast. We were having a great time. And all of a sudden, I looked over, and I'm like, hey, 90-foot cliff. Well, this is like 30. That's going to be three times as much fun. You know, so we went over there, and we're standing at the edge of this 90-foot cliff, and we're looking over the edge, and we're like, dang. Like, it's a lot further down when you're standing 90 feet up looking down. And we're like, did anybody check the depth of the water, you know? And we're like, ah, it's blue. You know, you can't see the, can't see the bottom. And so we just sat and talked and talked. Well, you should go. Oh, I came up with the idea. You should go. And nobody was going. Everybody was looking. It was like, it looks fun, but no way. And finally, I was just like, okay, you know what? I just backed up and just, as they're still talking, I just come running and jump. And I'm like, yeah, shit. You know, like when you get to about 30 feet and you realize you still got another 60, you are booking. <clears throat> and I landed like this. So, I mean, I would black and blue marks up and down my arms. One of the, and then, so once I did it, it was just like, boom, 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 boom. Everybody started jumping, including this one girl. She, she jumped and she landed like this. I mean, came up floating. I'm like, oh, no, she's dead, you know? Carried over to a rock. You're like, what's your name? I'm like, January. You're like, you're fine. You know? But everybody jumped except one guy. He just, I don't know, he just couldn't do it. Later on that night, we were sitting around the fire, and everybody's like, what are you guys doing for fun? There's got to be something to do around here. And we're like, oh, we found these cliffs, we jumped off the 30-foot, and then we jumped off the 90-foot, and the guy that didn't jump, he was like, it was awesome! <laughs> and I looked at him, I'm like, dude, you didn't even jump! And he's like, yeah, but you don't like the cliff. And we were up there. I'm like, no! Like, that, the point of this story is this, Everybody's standing at the, this cliff called Catholicism. And they look over and they're like, man, that is crazy. You know what that's going to cost me? It's going to hurt. Yeah, it is. It's going to cost you. It's going to hurt. But it's going to be a lot of intense fun too. And when you do it and when you model it, people are going to jump with you. The church has been talking a lot about this right now. Accompaniment. It's coming up a lot, with, especially within seminary formation, that you accompany somebody. I tell people, I say this, could you imagine, just imagine this, if everybody in this room brought one person to Christ, just one, it would double the size of this room. What if every Christian brought one person to Christ? <clears throat> There's this family I know, I'm just going to use the name, Jason and Laura, and uh, they were hedonists. <laughs> you know, I mean, they were a nightmare all over the place. Irregular marriage. He had been married before. She had been married before. To kids from different, you know, I mean, it's kind of like the norm right now, unfortunately. <clears throat> and uh, he was just all about money, power, pleasure. And he got to know my brother. My brother's a priest, too. I don't, I don't know if you know that. Yeah, there's only two kids in the family, too. That's even more crazy. <clears throat> my mom's a saint. Um, <laughs> as I always say, I was not always a priest. Okay? <laughs> um, but anyway, so he, we got to know this guy, Jason, and we started hanging out with him. And, like, and he was like, yo, I, like, I like, really like hanging out with you guys. And we're like, yeah, well, we're going to celebrate Mass. And he's like, what's that? And we're like, <laughs> we're like, hey, you know, you just listen. And, and then eventually he got baptized. And then eventually... He had, he, you know, he was started to go to daily mass and then he started to go to confession. Now he is a trustee in the parish and his wife is the DRE. That's accompaniment. Being with people, hanging out. My brother, he's a, he loves brewing beer. <clears throat> so he has, at once, once a year, they have a brew session. 
Like 30 men come over to his rectory and they brew from 6 a.m. to 2 a.m. All, yeah, all the way around. And they brew like 400 gallons of beer and then they use that for theology on tap throughout the whole year. That's accompaniment. That's the stuff that we got to start doing. Because the old model of things, it's not attractive and it ain't working. And part of the problem is, is we are creatures of comfort. So we get somewhere and we like to stay there. And we like to rest on our laurels of what has worked. But we have always got to be thinking forward. What's the next thing? Jesus said, be as wise as serpents and as gentle as doves. I think we've been gentle as doves. But ain't been no serpent. We got to outwit the enemy. We got to come up with things that are fun for the kids, that they get, that's not weird, that's authentic, that puts them in relationship to the Lord. And the people that are pushing them to go to these things and encouraging them, they have to be living their faith. It has to be impacting every aspect of your life. Otherwise, a kid, his parents are like, you need to go to the Rise Conference. And he's like, okay. And then later on that night, they get in a huge fight, and the dad goes stomping out the door, and the kid's like, wow, these are Catholics? That makes no sense. I don't want to go to the Rise Conference. If that's what Catholicism looked like, forget it. And I'm not saying we're perfect. I mean, we have, everybody struggles. Everybody has their flaws. But we have got to start being more in. I think there's this throwback, right, where people were like, you know, back in like 100 AD, man, those were the hardcore Christians. You know, like now we're just soft. No. If you look at Rome, Rome was barbaric in 100 AD. They had vomitoriums. They had pedophiles in the baths. They had, I mean, pornography. They had prostitution. It was a cesspool of sin. And so when the Christians come along, all the Christians did was they only had one wife. They loved their kids, they took care of their sick, and they had a strong community. That made them fanatics in the eyes of the Romans. And in many ways, the call is still same for us Christians. So that's number one. <laughs> and I'm out of time. <laughs> Give me five more minutes, I swear. I'll, I'll, number two is much quicker, okay? <clears throat> we, so number one is we have got to start thinking about how to model the Christian life in a way that is attractive, okay? The second one is, how can you tell anybody about the Christian life if you don't know Christ? We have got to pray. And I'm talking daily. I read an article recently. It said, the average, Amer the average Christian, and this is across the board, the average Christian prays six and a half minutes a day. We cannot call ourselves followers of Christ and spend six and a half minutes with him. How would your marriages look if you spent six and a half minutes with your spouse every day? Maybe some of you would like that. I don't know. <laughs> six and a half minutes. I love there's a quote by uh, St. Francis de Sales. He said, uh, he said, every Christian must spend a half hour of prayer every day in order to call themselves a Christian. Except when you're really busy. Then you have to spend an hour. Because he knew that distraction was the root of the problems in his society. And that was 500 years ago. How much more so now today? In this busy world we live in, it's so distracted. My final story, I don't know if you guys know Deacon James Keating. He's a phenomenal deacon. He's a guy out in Omaha, Nebraska. He's one, a spiritual mystic, great father, great husband. But his first five years uh, of marriage, he was getting his doctorate. And he'd get up super early, tiptoe out, kiss his wife, love you, go get out. He would come home. He would kiss her and say goodnight, go to bed at like 9, 10 o'clock. And this just went on and on and on until one morning he was leaving and his wife was like, Jim? <laughs> and he's like, oh, 
sorry, did I wake you up? And she's like, yeah, you know, today you're going to be home at five o'clock and we're going to talk for one hour. And he's like, but my doctor's Jim, either you're here or I'm not. And he's like, and because I was a little afraid of my wife, I decided to show up. <clears throat> and so he shows up and he's sitting there as a little seven and seven, his favorite drink and a bowl of pretzels. And he said the first, she just talked. He's like, bah, bah, bah. He's like, I don't know what the heck she was saying. He's like, I just sat here like this. After about 20 minutes, she said, well, how was your day? He's like, well, didn't get to work on my doctorate as long as I would have liked. She's like, is that it? He's like, yep. He's like, well, I guess we're done. He's like, I think you said an hour. She's like, well, I'm not going to force you to talk. He's like, fine. He gets up and storms out. And she's like, Jim, tomorrow, five o'clock, one hour. Either you're here or I'm not. He said after two weeks, he ate a pretzel. <clears throat> after a month, he took a sip of his drink. And he said after 25 years, I am more in love with that, with, with that woman than I ever possibly could have fathomed. What you are in love with is where you will spend your time. And the least we can do for the Lord is give him a half hour every day. I do an hour, sometimes more. But I'm a priest. I get paid to be Christian. (laughs) You guys, I'm asking for a half hour. Come to know him and know him through the scriptures. And then be able, as Peter says in his first letter, to be able to give an accounting whenever anybody asks you, why do you love the Lord? Why are you different? And you can say, let me tell you. I think that those are the two answers. They're simple, but Christianity has always been simple. The world is complex. God is simple. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.